Welcome to the Leaf and Bear Podcast. My name is Scott. My name is Tim. My name is John. So, uh, thanks thanks for joining us this week. And, uh, John, what are we smoking this week? Uh, this week we were smoking an H. Upman 1844 Reserve Cigar. All right, all right. Uh, what's the shape of that cigar? Uh, it's a, a unique size just for the H. Upman brand. Uh, to generalize it, it would be considered a torpedoed shape cigar. So it's going to be tapered at the end. It's going to be a little wider at the foot of the cigar and it's going to kind of narrow in, um, as you are smoking it. But the actual dimensions of this is going to be, uh, six by one eighth. So six and a half inches by, or six and a, six and one eighth inch long, um, by 52 at the widest point. All right. All right. That's a healthy size yeah it's a decent size um it's it's almost uh it we had talked about this a little bit it's even a little um misleading almost because i had assumed it was even thinner i'd assumed mm-hmm. it was like a 46 or a 48 and that taper just really kind of it threw throws, you off yeah it yeah. throws off your feel for just how big the cigar actually is oh absolutely that's one of the the great things about torpedoes is when you have that narrower uh smoking base you really not you're not really paying attention to the ring size of that cigar. So, you know, it's something to t- uh, take account. It's not your uh, normal cigar size, which we've been smoking for the past couple of weeks. I mean, it's not far off as far as ring size, but but like you said, because it tapers at, at the at the end of it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of, it throws your lips off a bit. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like a big boy like that. Right. Um, and I, I did time with how long it, it took us to smoke. Um, I, it seemed like I smoked the fastest. Uh, Tim was done about maybe five, ten minutes after me. And if Scott, that, yeah. you were done about ten minutes after Tim. Yeah. Uh, and overall, it was about an hour and 45-minute long smoke for us. Yeah. So a, Which, a decent amount of time. That felt pretty long for the size of cigar it was. Yes. Even. It, was a, it was a good, slow-burning cigar so that you could, you could enjoy the cigar the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was... A, a really nice smoke as far as length goes even mm-hmm. maybe even a little long but it felt like a decently long cigar and it might have even felt a tad long and i think part of that at least was because of the draw it yes. was a little bit tighter draw so it felt like it took a bit more effort to to get down and get a full mouthful of the cigar so it felt like it was a bit more effort to smoke right and I don't want to say that it was work necessarily. It just, it's, the torpedo is a much different style of smoke than a flat cap or a normal, like, round cap yes. uh, at the very end. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so Tim, what, what did you think of the cigar? Ah, uh, you know, it was really good. Um, it is a medium body, right? Sure. We'll go with medium. If you say it's medium, with your point of view, yeah. go for it. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah, if we're going to give... I know that like it's officially billed as like a medium, mm-hmm. um, but I would probably personally put it like on the lighter end of medium, and it sort of developed into the the heavier end of medium as the cigar went on. Uh, overall, it was a very easy smoke. Uh, the mouthfeel was good. It was a heavy producer of smoke. It was a nice full smoke. Uh, like I said, it was a little bit more work on the draw, which necessarily which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just it's a different experience being the torpedo. Yes. Uh I noticed immediately off the bat there were some like cocoa uh notes. I noticed some coffee, a little hint of leather, and some like butteriness to the cigar. Not a whole lot of nut or anything necessarily. Uh as the cigar progressed, I caught more of a little bit of nut, even a tiny bit of pepper. Uh, towards the back end of the cigar and 
uh, there was a note that I was really struggling to place, but on the retro uh, hail, I had personally, I picked up a citrus, like an orange peel kind of note in the cigar. All right. All right. Which uh, was fantastic. That's a very unique, like getting a fruitier kind of citrusy note in a cigar is is interesting to me mm-hmm. because it's not something that I've necessarily experienced real heavily before. And again, I only really could pick it up in the retro hail. I couldn't, I couldn't pull that particular flavor out by itself just smoking it regularly. All right. Scott, what did you get from the cigar? I actually took a little bit of notes with this one. Okay. Uh, so I broke this one down in the thirds, like like most cigars you usually do break down in the thirds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the first third, I was getting a little bit of chocolate. It was nice and creamy. Mm-hmm. And then. I also got a little bit of like wood, but I couldn't pinpoint what wood it was. I was kind of thinking it was cedar, but I wasn't quite sure on that one. I'm going to interrupt and just agree. Like there was definitely a cedar note in there. Okay. Yes. Yep. I, w- I wasn't sure if it was cedar or oak, but I knew there was a wood there. Uh, as far as the second third went, uh, it was still very creamy. And then I picked up the coffee notes. And that was interesting because I've never had one that had coffee. Like I took the drag and then... I went to go lick my lips and I'm like, that is straight up coffee. That's all I could taste. I was like, that's, that's kind of nice. I kind of, I like the taste of coffee personally. And then the, the last third, you know, it was still creamy. I had the coffee. Uh, there was a slight pepper there at the end. And then it was also a little oily, Mm -hmm. uh, which I've never experienced before. So it, I thought overall it was a really good cigar. It had a nice little journey, nothing that I've experienced before. Okay. Because pretty much every cigar we've smoked before was kind of just steady across the board. Sure. Uh, what did you think, John? Um, I thought the cigar had a, had a two-step journey. Uh, the first third of the cigar, I agree with everyone here, uh, we got a little bit of that uh, chocolate or cocoa taste with it and a little bit of leather. Um, as I was going through the cigar more and more, um, the, the leather was still there, but it was slowly dying out. And I was getting a lot of cream and almost a, a buttery taste. Um, so when you said that when you licked your lips, you got a, a coffee aroma. I got that a little bit, but it was more of like a buttery cream that I was picking up. All right. And this is going to be a really odd way to describe a cigar, but it almost was leaving um, a buttery cream oil. And at the top of my mouth, at the roof of my mouth, it was like, hmm, this is really nice. Kind of like when you eat like a Cadbury egg, you get that like filmy sensation in your mouth and sometimes it's a, a deterrent. Yeah. Uh, but this one I would say is like, oh, I really like this and I, I'm really enjoying that. So yeah. it, it had a really nice aftertaste. Um, when we got through the cigar, it was definitely more creamy, more buttery. Um, the, the, the cocoa or the chocolates went away. Yep. Um, there was a slight hit of pepper of pepper but i really had to search for it so it wasn't as pronounced yeah the, pe- the pepper was definitely a very light yeah you had i didn't so much taste the pepper i could feel the pepper yeah okay. that's it right yes. there yep yeah it, it wasn't a taste it was more of the feel the little bit of burn on the lips and mm-hmm. the tongue it yeah it wasn't like that like black pepper taste yeah. and some of that might have been too is with the torpedo cigars you smoke those uh more and more they're going to warm up a lot faster than say a traditional cigar because all of that heat uh is going to be focused down into one point as opposed to a say a churchill cigar it's going to be more even out throughout the end um, and as you get closer to the cigar 
ending its life, it's going to be, okay, this is getting a little hot to hold because your fingers are getting closer to that, that burn line and the smoke is just going to get hotter because, well, you've got maybe a, a quarter of an inch left of your cigar. Yeah. Whereas a torpedo, that last inch, even inch and a half, is going to get a lot hotter than your, I don't want to say normal cigar shape, but a, 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 a more traditional, a tube-shaped cigar is going to be. Yeah. Uh, so, Tim. What uh, what whiskey were you guys drinking tonight? So this week we actually uh, had Whistlepig Ten Year Rye Whiskey. Uh, this is um, by the same master distiller as the guy that did the that worked on Blackened with Metallica last week and the week before. All right. Um, and I'm faltering for his name, but I know we mentioned him last episode. Uh, but it, it's the same guy when Whistlepig started up in 2007, 2008, he moved over to assist them, uh, in taking over that role as the master distiller. So I kind of felt like it was a nice, uh, tie in to the prior episodes to see what Whistlepig was like. And like sure. I said, it's a 10 year rye whiskey and it's kind of stands alone, uh, in the fact that it is a 100% rye whiskey. Most times a rye whiskey, like the definition of a rye whiskey is you can use anything north of 51% rye and then the mash can contain whatever it wants after that. Uh, but Whistlepig dedicates themselves to a 100% rye and it showed. It's 100 proof. Uh, it's very much a rye whiskey, uh, but it... Uh, it's the most awarded American rye whiskey there is. All right. So, what flavors did you get out of the out of the whiskey when you had when you tried the whiskey by itself without smoking the cigar? What did you get from it? Um, so, myself, when I tasted the the whiskey, I got um, like fruity notes, mm -hmm. uh, like zesty, citrusy kind of note, uh, a little bit of like caramel kind of back end on it uh i know that their site indicates anise as a like nasal kind of experience and i didn't really pull that out which i was pretty happy with because i'm not a huge fan of that that flavor myself so the fact that it i couldn't you know maybe if i had more experience i'd be able to indicate where it was in there but i didn't feel it so like primarily it was a citrusy fruity but also still kind of heavy flavor with the caramel back end on it yes right how about uh yourself john i would agree with everything that you said with the flavoring and what shocked me about this is when you said it's a hundred proof whiskey yeah so i was expecting is like all right buckle up you know i'm gonna get that nice whiskey burn that i <laughs> i i truly love and enjoy yep this is and gonna be a ride it really wasn't and that shocked me um yes there was a little bit of a burn you know going down but it wasn't anything that would turn you off. Yeah, no, it was. It, for I being, was. I was surprised at how smooth it was for being a hundred proof. Yeah, at a hundred proof, the fact that I could just sit there and sip that and not worry about it destroying my throat. You know, you yep. look at wild turkey or something like that, and that stuff hurts. Yes, and this was just very smooth. There was, of course, a bit of that whiskey back end because welcome to being a whiskey. But for being a hundred proof. This is one of the smoothest whiskeys I've ever had. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I took, I, I took a sip of it because, I mean, we all know I'm not a big whiskey fan. But uh, I took a sip of, of the whiskey and I, I couldn't have told you it was 100 proof. Like, usually 100 proof is a lot more harsh. It's got a huge burn to it. Yep. I would say that it was regular, actually really, really smooth. 
regular Jack has more of a burn than oh, what yeah. this than what this whistling pig had. Jack, Jack usually gives you, you know, a little bit of a whiskey shiver there and everything, and I didn't get that with this one. Uh I did pick up some other flavors that you didn't you guys didn't pick out. Like I thought it tasted a bit more earthy. Okay. But then again, I only had one sip of it. Yeah. I wasn't sipping on it the entire time. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's understandable. Yeah, I didn't I don't I didn't notice anything like earthy or peaty about it, but I'm not saying it's not there, right? Sure. So Scott, uh this is the non whiskey group, you a drinker, you you love to bring in new beers. What did you bring in this time around? Uh yeah, I brought in a uh it's Rocky's Revenge by a Tyrania brewing company. Uh it's out of Wisconsin here out of uh Lake Mills, Wisconsin. This was an American brown ale. And it was listed as something that was going to have, or it was, it was aged in bourbon barrels, partially aged, not fully aged. Um, and so it said it was supposed to have more of an oaky, vanilla, chocolatey flavor to it. And I figured that would suit a lot better with a cigar versus, you know, the sour beers as I'm so accustomed to drinking. I was trying to fit the palate a little better together. Sure. Uh it wasn't bad. I did taste the chocolatey notes. You know, the bourbon barrel aging was very slight. Like, you just didn't taste that that bourbon flavor to it. You had it a little bit at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But the moment it sat in your mouth and, and you, you took that drink and swallowed it, you just, you didn't taste it after that. You know, it did have the chocolatey. I'd, I would disagree with the vanilla taste. Uh, but it was a little chocolatey, a little coffee. Uh, I would almost put it closer to like a porter granted i don't really know what the difference is between you know your porters and your brown ales mm-hmm. uh that's something i should probably look up for future episodes but uh i i more associate the porters with your chocolatey flavors and your coffee flavors so i mean it was a good beer it wasn't uh wasn't too harsh it had a little bit of harshness to it but nothing too overwhelming it, it was still very drinkable okay. which is i mean that's beer yeah what shocked me is i had a, i had a sip of your beer and Normally, when I'm when I drink a bourbon barrel beer, it's going to be a beer that it's it's a sipping beer. You're not going to you'll have one, you know, maybe every hour, and, and you'll be absolutely fine with that one. I feel like you could just knock it back and keep on going. Oh yeah, uh, it's not going to be as light as say a Miller Lite or a Coors. Uh, but I was shocked when you said, "Oh yeah, it's bourbon barrel," and then I tried one, and it just it, it wasn't there. Maybe yeah, it, there's nothing real potent about no. it. It's it's actually pretty relaxed i mean it's it's your typical beer but it's got some other flavors to it you know your coffee and your chocolate mm-hmm. that's basically what it is and i do wonder being a brown how much of that was actually from being a brown versus the aged in bourbon yeah versus the idea of it being aged in a bourbon barrel and i'm yeah. sure that it picked up some of that but the fact that you indicate that it's almost entirely on the front end makes me feel like it's the beer doing the heavy lifting and not the aging in the barrel yeah because yeah, normally you get that bourbon taste right at the end and it's like a nice little aftertaste it's like oh yep there's yeah. the bourbon yeah yeah you get it on the front end so uh yeah, i guess uh so john i have to ask do you have any uh do you have any tips for smoking cigars this week absolutely so we're gonna uh, introduce a new segment of a cigar tip of the week uh so nothing too crazy or outrageous this week but i want to talk about cutting your cigars. And the reason why I thought the first tip of the week should be about cutting a cigar is if you have a really good cut on your cigar, 
um, that's the first step in having a really good journey with any type of cigar. Yeah. If you have a bad cut on your cigar, congratulations, you've just ruined that cigar, and it's it's really hard to come back from. Yeah, that can make for a rough rough ride for the rest of that cigar if you have a bad cut. Yeah, and I thought it was also really prudent to talk about how to properly cut a cigar uh, because of the type of the cigar that we were smoking tonight. Uh, with the torpedo style of the cigar, um, you typically just barely cut off the tip of the cigar. So you have that really nice, narrow funnel, uh, get the really good flavor profile coming through a, a very narrow path. Um, I tried that a couple of times with these H. Upman cigars, and because they're so densely packed, it was actually really hard to get a really good draw on the cigar. And about a third of the way through, I, I was just like, all right, this isn't working. I'm going to cut it more and cut it again and, and cut it again. Um, and typically when you're smoking cigars, you don't want to keep on cutting a cigar because you're going to run into a lot of problems. So my, I have two suggestions for you when you start cutting a cigar. Now, this is going to be with a, a guillotine um, cutter because that's what I use and that's what I've always been really happy with. The first step is to try to identify the cap of the cigar. Uh, if you look at the cigar and um, the opposite end of the foot, which is the part that you light on your cigar, uh, you should see a different type of wrapping on your cigar. You should, you should notice um, a line. And af- after that line, you do not want to cut. If you cut past that line, uh, your cigar is actually going to start to unravel. And I'm not going to name the place, but when Tim and I went out for my bachelor party, uh, we had an inexperienced... Uh, cigar hostess to say the least and she took the cigar and she just butchered it she took the cigar she put it in the cutter and she chopped she didn't look she didn't do anything and i would say we lost a good half inch inch and a third at least yeah Yeah, it it was it was it was at least half an inch yeah and the problem with that is you're going to get a really nice uh, easy draw, and the problem with that is it's an easy draw because the smoke's going everywhere and, and your cigar will actually start to unravel. Um, so when you take a look at your cigar, find the cap um, and try to cut halfway through between the end of the cigar and the cap of the cigar. Um, the second thing that you want to do is have confidence in yourself. Um, find out where you want to cut it and just go for it. Don't be timid, just push through and cut. Um, you don't want to cut halfway through and then stop and then try to realign your cigar and then, and then chop again. You want a no. nice, smooth, clean, even cut. Commit. Yeah. Now, a nice trick with the guillotine cutters with the cigars is if you put the guillotine cutter flat on a table or a flat surface, put your cigar down uh, where you're going to cut it, um, you will get a perfect cut every single time. If and it's that- a... If it's a traditional shaped cigar, absolutely. Um, I did that with the these H. Upman torpedoes, and it was still really, really tight. So I reevaluated the cigar and I looked at the caps. Like, wow, there's a really large cap on the cigar. I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm not worried about my cigar unraveling. And it was a great smoke after that. Yeah, wherever um, you cut it for us was fan- with your whatever lessons you had taken from yeah. the prior times you had uh, smoked it, going that deeper. That deeper cut really, I think, helped because it was already even going up that high. It was mm-hmm. it was a bit of a draw. Like yep. it was, you had to pull to get a a, a good strong mouthful. Yeah, it had now, a pretty large cap to it. I'd say that yeah. cap on there was probably a solid three eighths. 
Yeah, it was, it's, I think you cut off probably close to maybe an eighth to a quarter somewhere in there. I doubled the amount that I normally cut with uh, using the trick of just putting it flat on the table and cutting. Um, now, to be fair, I think this is only with regards with these H. Upman cigars just because they are so densely rolled and packed. Um, I've smoked other torpedo cigars, and you just barely nick off the tip of the cap, and you're going to be good, and you're, you're going to be fine. So... Um, for a traditional cigar, I try to identify the cap, cut halfway between. Um, if you're nervous or shaky about it, use the table trick. Um, you'll get a perfect cut every single time. Don't feel bad about trying to figure out where to cut because the worst thing in the world is cutting too far up and you've just ruined your cigar. So always start off smaller, cut off less than what you think you need, and you are probably going to be okay with that cigar. Yeah, yeah. That, that tabletop trick has worked for us for probably, I'd say, 95, 97% of the cigars that we've smoked. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, John is definitely the most experienced one for cigars here. And I, after picking up that table trick from him, it's just always worked. You know, you put the guillotine down, you slap the uh, the cigar in the middle and just pull the trigger. Just go. Yeah. And it's a clean cut, then it's a good depth. And if you're using a guillotine cutter, know what type of it, uh, know what type of of cutter you're using uh there's two of them out there one of them is only going to have one moving part so you only have to move half of the cutter and that's going to do all of your work and the other uh the cigar will actually rest on the second half of the cutter per se some of them you have to move at the exact same time um, if you are new to this try and find a cutter where you're only moving half of it so if you're not precisely uh even with your thumb and pointer finger you will still be okay that's a good tip yeah, that's fantastic because I mean, that that'll getting a getting a good cut it just alleviates so many problems right off the bat. Cutting is your first step. Yeah, uh, taking it out of the cellophane <laughs> is your first step. Take the cigar out of the cellophane and then cut. Please do not dull your blade trying to cut the cellophane. Yeah, yeah. but but like we said, uh, committing to it to the cut is solid because you want to go quick. Yep. If you go slow, you're going to tear and. A torn cap is yeah. just is not a good. That's good thing. exactly it. You're not going to cut. You're going to tear it. Yeah, and everything's going to go south. Um, and that brings me up to my uh, the last point that I want to talk about with cutting your cigar is if you're going to go out and buy a cigar cutter, find one that you like. Um, spend the extra money to get a good cutting cigar. Uh, everyone says the most dangerous weapon is a dull knife. It's horrible for cigars. So you want something that's going to be sharp. Um, get one that has a lifetime warranty if you can find one out there. So that way it will always be sharp for you. And if you need to V-sharpen it, you can take it somewhere, get it sharpened, and you'll be good to go. Nice. That, that's solid. Solid tip of the week for the cigars there. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, and I want to I wanna piggyback right off that into a tip for, uh, for drinking whiskey, actually. Um, Shoot for the mouth. Right. Usually you want to yeah, get it. Don't go for the nose. No, that's a, that's a bad idea. Um, it's actually just, it's a really simple one. It's figure out how you like to drink it, right? So there are several ways to take a whiskey. Orally? Uh, usually, yes. <laughs> uh, intravenous is an option. It's not one I recommend. Um, so uh, the suggest, like there are several ways to take a whiskey. You can take it neat, and that is just the whiskey poured in a glass. Um, this allows you to experience the full body in, in all of its glory. It's a very dense way to take it. There are lots of flavors in whiskey and this lets you experience all of them in one, in one breath, in one go. Um, another way is on the rocks and this is whiskey just poured over ice. 
this chills the whiskey a little bit. It helps to add some water to the whiskey to help separate some of the layers to make it a little more palatable uh, and help you even pull some of the finer points of the whiskey out. And then a third way is going to be just with actually just a couple dashes of water. Um, and this is similar to the ice. It's just a little bit of water without chilling the whiskey. Uh, and this is all up to preference. Try it each way to get a feel for how you enjoy the whiskey because that's key to the whole process here, <laughs> you know, is, is liking what you're doing. So give a whiskey a try. And I would say all on the same whiskey, give a whiskey a try neat, give a whiskey a try on ice, give or on the rocks, give it a try with a dash of water to get a feel for how you typically like to take your whiskey. And you can translate that to any whiskey you try because they're all fairly similar in that regard. So just, it's a real easy tip. Just figure out how you like to take it because it will make a world of difference in the way that you experience it if you're more happy drinking it. So Tim, I like the guillotine cut or the uh, flat cut for my cigar. How do you like to take your whiskey? Uh, I am on the rocks. Uh, that is that is how I enjoy it. I like the fact that it gives it a little bit of chill because um, it helps to kind of mellow some of the harshness of whiskeys out. Um, and it adds that little bit of water as the ice does melt. And that allows it, like I said, to separate. So it gives me the ability to pull apart very distinct flavors as I'm enjoying my whiskey. How about yourself? Um, I have tried it. Uh, straight. I've tried it on the rocks and I've tried it with a splash of water. Um, the splash of water is probably my least favorite, uh, probably just because I'm adding too much water when I try it. And then and I feel like I'm not doing it enough. So I haven't really found that, that happy blend. Um, usually though, I would say I drink it on the rocks, uh, because it gives me that it, it breaks the whiskey apart with the water, which is what you're going for when you try to do that splash of water. Mm -hmm. And it gives it a nice cool drink. Yeah. That, that's actually a really valid point. Uh, on the water trick, there's no real good way to measure that. You just kind of add a dash, you know, like I know some people that will literally get their fingertips wet and just flick the drops in and that's enough. I know people that their rule of thumb is to add like a third of water to the amount of whiskey, like, like three parts whiskey, one part water, right? Like, and anywhere in between that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the toy with it you know those are three those are like the three primary ways and find a method that works for you best no method is strictly better than the others it's all about experiencing it in a way that you enjoy it it's all about personal preference yep exactly everybody prefers something a little different like me personally i prefer not to drink whiskey and drink beer exactly you know and you know you're wrong and that's fine because we're not here <laughs> to be snobs about it you know we'll just you, tell you that you're wrong exactly you're wrong. <laughs> you know uh, and all of you that I said drink. i prefer it doesn't mean i don't ever do it i did try the whiskey tonight yes you did and it was decent you were a big boy tonight yeah i put on my big boy pants this morning it was actually this afternoon i was wearing shorts earlier today <laughs> but that's 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 the key is finding a way to to take the whiskey in a manner that you enjoy because it makes a world of difference so take the time to experience it a few different ways if you start neat adding a couple drops of water or a little bit of water you know is a way to try two in one go or adding ice after you've tried it neat it's you know you you don't have to try it 
you don't have to chug down an entire shot worth or you know a little snifter worth of uh whiskey just to experience it if you give it that first go and you uh, that's not for me yeah. add something to it you know and, yeah. and experience it yeah and if you're gonna try try whiskey don't do a shot of it sip it try oh. to pull out the flavors i meant that more as a measurement okay. than just right, shooting it sure. yeah and i guess that wasn't super clear so yeah i like as a measurement typically people you know if you're just taste if you're taking it to sip on it or something it's usually one or two shots worth of it you know maybe if you enjoy it more you'll fill the glass <laughs> I mean, we ain't here to judge we ain't we're our our goal here is not necessarily to be snobs about it we sure. want to give you as much information as you as we can in the ways that we love our cigar uh cigars and whiskey and beer to help you enjoy your cigars and whiskey and beer though in all honesty that is you know an interesting way of how i take my shots of whiskey i actually take them and let them sit in my mouth so i can pull out the flavors which is a very weird thing for somebody that doesn't like whiskey <laughs> right especially because a shock, that's a pretty decent amount of whiskey that you're taking in in one mouthful yeah. yeah i enjoy whiskey and when i shoot it it goes straight down nope. yeah <laughs> no nope. i let it sit in my mouth for like 10 seconds before i do it Otherwise, i feel like you haven't learned how to do a shot <laughs> whiskey's the only thing i do it with whiskey yep. the so, only thing i do it with. again you've never learned how to take a shot <laughs> i mean it's but, either that or let it come back up real quick well and i'd rather do not that. have it come back no. up <laughs> so scott what would you uh, how would you rate the cigar that we had tonight i enjoyed it um, I, I enjoyed the, to- the chocolatey flavors and, and the coffee flavors in it. The creaminess was, was really nice. Um, you know, the minor amounts of pepper. I would probably put this cigar at, hmm, it's kind of a tough one. I think I'd put this cigar closer to a seven, seven and a half. Okay. I thought it was a really nice cigar. It's, I mean... I thought it was even decent for someone who's interested in getting away from those milds and, you know, progressing a little more going into the mediums. Sure. I, I It started out quite light. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, I, I was like, hmm, this is a real light cigar. You know, it, it was kind of hard to pull out the flavors immediately. Uh, but then they started to come out, at, you know, once we progressed more into that first third it it was pleasant, so yeah, I think I'd go with that seven, seven and a half somewhere in there. All right. What about you, Tim? Uh, I'd have to give it a bit higher. I'm actually going to go with an eight myself. Uh, being that light medium into um the heavier medium, I don't even want to call it medium full necessarily because I don't think it ever bridged that gap. It I think is a great cigar for people looking to toy with mediums. You know, if you've only done milds to this point, I think this is a good way to kind of introduce yourself. Um, like you said, uh, the cocoa, the little bit of coffee, the, the light pepper at the very end, because I'm not a huge pepper fan, but I enjoy some pepper in my cigar. So the fact that it kind of snuck up at you in the end was a uh, nice, the journey was pretty subtle. Uh, I thought with John, there was really only two stages to it. Um, the coffee was interesting because it was pretty decent. There was a little bit of leather in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, like I said, having even that surprising hint of that citrus, like orange peel that I caught out of there was really fascinating to me. So yeah, I'd have to give this rate fairly highly and I have to give it an eight. Uh, like Tim, I would give it an eight as well. Um, there are, couple of points um the first that i want to make is the brand h upman was actually the very first cigar that i ever had 
Uh, I went to a cigar lounge. Uh, I was getting ready to go on a canoeing trip uh, with my dad, my brother, and some friends. Uh, and we sit around the campfire and smoke cigars. Like, all right, well, let's join in with the cigars. And we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and uh, the person in our cigar, cigar lounge actually recommended this cigar. So the three of us uh, sat down, we smoked the cigar, and then after that we made some you no know, choices of like, do we want anything you know heavier? Do we want more pepper, more spice? Uh, but H. Up. H. Upton was actually my very first cigar that I ever had. So it, it kind of holds a special place in my heart because it was such a good cigar that I enjoyed. Uh, with this particular blend that we had, uh, the reason why I would rate it so high is because, first of all, there was a journey. It wasn't just a, oh, this is what it is and this is what you get. Um, so what's nice about it is um, it was a fairly easy journey to detect. Uh, the first third versus the um, last two thirds of the cigar were completely different. Um, and it's great for if you're just getting into the cigar um, smoking, you know, foray. I was like, yep, I definitely tasted something different. You, you don't have to uh, have a complex palate to know what you're tasting or what you're um, smoking as you're doing that. Um, the light buttery leather cream combination that I got in that uh, say the second third you know to the end um was amazing and i've i've always enjoyed that i'm also a big fan of the leather and, and i think having that such a creamy smoke to it um, was really nice um the other reason i would rate it so high is something that we haven't talked about was uh tim not to not to pick on you no no i'm bad at it it's fine <laughs> but Go ahead. you you had an issue with your cigar starting to canoe on you and it was only burning uh, it started as, as as a nice normal canoe, and then it started as it was only smoking or burning, you know, halfway on the cigar at all, and which was kind of shocking because Scott and I were doing all right with ours, and we had nice clean burn lines, uh, but you just rotated it a little bit, um, slowed your smoking down a little bit, I would say, and it corrected itself. Yeah, uh, that is it is something like you said. We didn't we didn't really talk about it a whole lot, but the construction on these is fairly fantastic. I did have two issues primarily. There was the canoeing at the very beginning, like you said. I rotated it maybe 180 degrees. It righted itself right back out. Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of issue with tunneling, and that is probably because I was going too quickly. Honestly, uh, with the with how hard the drag was, I probably just over over pulled mm -hmm. on it yeah. and. Even after a light touch-up, it corrected itself, and the construction was fantastic. Yeah, um, and I kind of judged the constructions of of a cigar based off of how Scott's doing with his. <laughs> um, no offense, but you're the least uh, experienced experience between yeah. us, and if you can smoke a cigar and not have any issues and have a clean burn line the entire time, that tells me that that cigar is constructed extremely well. That was yeah. golden. The fact that we had someone who had an issue with the way that they were smoking the cigar, they made a slight change and it corrected itself, was fairly significant. It yeah, I mean, even when you had your, your little bit of tunneling, you barely relit the edges. Yeah. And it just, it took right off to where it needed to immediately. Yeah, its its ability to write itself speaks volumes for the construction of it. Yeah, so I would actually go a little bit higher than uh, Tim and go with an 8.5. All right, yeah. yeah that makes I mean, a lot it, of was, sense. it was a very good cigar. I'm glad I have more. <laughs> I, would, I would highly would recommend the cigar. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I would totally recommend this cigar. For basically anybody, 
you know, if you're a full smoker, mm-hmm. this is not a bad step down. If you're a mild smoker, this it, is a good foray to experience. Oh yeah, it was not. It was not a harsh step up no. at all. This yeah. is a great everyday smoke. Yeah, and if you're if you sticks ra- firmly into the mediums, this is still a fantastic medium cigar. Uh, so Scott, how was your beer? If you wanted to rate it, ah, uh, I know that you typically don't. Yeah, brown do ales the- are a little out of my my uh, my go to area. Yeah, I thought it was. It was a good beer. I don't think it it, All right. it had a slight harshness to it. It was a little bitter, but maybe that's... I'm not used to drinking darker beers in general, and yep. this is a little bit of a darker beer, so I like, can't really downgrade the little bit more of a bitterness to it. Yeah, you would mentioned that it's like hedging on a porter. Yeah, uh, but it was, it was still good. It wasn't overly harsh. It just had a slightness to it. Mm-hmm. So if you had to give it a number, or would you? Where would you shed? I know you don't have a lot to like compare it to. Yeah, I don't have a lot to but, compare it to. You know, we typically don't do a lot of comparison rating here, anyway. So like, you know, even just being the one dark stout porter kind of ale that you've had, give it a number. I would probably go. Uh, I'd go with an eight. Yeah, you'd have this again. Wow, I, I actually did like this phrase. beer. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I mean, yeah, you're on your third one. It can't be too bad. I mean, yeah. But that's 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 pretty high praise. Like yeah, the, absolutely. you know, like I said, you know, you you had two while we were smoking, and that usually will speak volumes. And then having one while we're recording as well, like you can't be hating it that much. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it's decent. It's yeah. solid. So and it's it's a pretty good score on that. Yeah. Tim, how do you feel about the whiskey? It was an experience. Um, I was thoroughly surprised, like I had mentioned about the. Uh, the smoothness for being a hundred proof, and I'm not typically a rye whiskey drinker, so mm-hmm. the fact that it was so easy to sip on uh, was really, really fantastic. I think I have to agree with most of the credits. I'd probably give this a nine. Yeah, like it is. Wow, it's a really good whiskey. The citrusy, the caramely kind of notes were really understated. They didn't fight with one another but you could pick them out real easily. It was smooth. It was palatable. It wasn't harsh at mm-hmm. all. You know, you had a little bit of that whiskiness to it, but that's desired. Yes. So the the head on it was floral almost, and it was delightful. So, like, I, I just, it was a really high-quality whiskey, and I'm quite glad that I ventured out and picked up the rye. Yeah. Wow. I think that's the highest rating we've given on a whiskey so far. It might be, yeah. We haven't rated Kessler's yet. <laughs> that's true. Ten incoming. Yes. <laughs> um, so, John, what did you think of the whiskey? I, I would have to agree with everything that Tim said. I was uh, I was amazed at how smooth it was, but you had that nice burn afterwards. Um, if you would have asked me what the proof was on that whiskey, I would have said you know, 80. Just, it's like a normal Your standard regular, 80. Yeah, yeah whiskey. Um, so the fact that they got that with 100 proof, I'm shocked um i don't drink a whole lot of rye whiskeys i'm like tim um, and i was very surprised at how um sweet it was um and it was a really really good whiskey um i want to hold off giving a number quite yet tim what was the price point on that whiskey that was a 70 dollar bottle okay and that's wisconsin prices you know so it yeah, uh, we looked, looked it up online, average. and you most places that I saw it put it at about eighty. So okay. I got a decent deal mm-hmm. through our store through it. Um, so like that's it for it being a ten year, and it's one hundred percent rye. So it's not even like 
um, mixed. Usually a lot of ryes will have like corn mashes as well to kind of, I, I imagine it's cheaper, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is 100% rye. It's made in the U.S. Like, it's it's highly rated everywhere. Like I said, it's the most award-winning American rye there is. And it shows. Yeah. And it, it, it seems reasonable for the price that you paid. So I, yeah. I would agree with your score of a nine. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, I can't wait till you guys leave and I can have some more. <laughs> <laughs> I'll need to bring a new bottle next week. All right. I'm Done. not, I'm not mad. <laughs> so, uh, so John, how would you, uh, rate the pairing tonight? Uh, this was one of our better pairings. Um, at least in my book, uh, when, uh, it was great because we had a really good cigar. We had a really good whiskey and we also had a really good playing of the two. Um, when I was drinking or sipping the whiskey while smoking the cigar, it seemed to really bring out the creaminess and the smoothness of both the cigar and the smoke. Um, and that's something that I, I really, really enjoyed. Um, I never really thought that I would enjoy a real creamy type cigar, but that's really what you were getting with the uh, Reserva cigar plus the whiskey. Um, and I really enjoyed it and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I know, uh, Tim was uh, smoking a cigar and he had a uh, sip of his whiskey and he just saw uh, his face just change like, oh, yeah, this is really good. Oh, yeah. he's, he's pointing to the whiskey to make sure that I try this and I, I don't lose out on that experience. Um, there have been some experiences that we've had that were just horrible. I was like, nope, never again. Don't do this. And then Tim was like, John, we have to. We got to tell, tell it like it is for the podcast. Yeah. And I, I just would instantly regret it. And I can't highly recommend this pairing enough compared to what we've had in the past and we've we've had some pretty good pairings uh but this one was really really good um it didn't take anything away from the whiskey it didn't really um detract anything from the cigar maybe a little bit of the pepper because i didn't pick up on much of that as uh, you were saying that you got so yep. i'm thinking that the whiskey probably uh diluted that um and as someone who likes pepper I was actually okay with that. So I would give this pairing a strong eight and a half, nine. All right. How about you, Tim? Yeah, I have to agree with basically everything there. It helped smooth out. It made, like you said, it made the cigar very buttery as it, as you tasted. And when I picked up the citrus note out of the cigar and the citrus out of the whiskey, it felt like they, they tied together. There was that, that nice little connecting feel right there that helped bridge the two flavors together and that was really that was great it was phenomenal it did probably tear back some of these uh the pepper which may be a detractant only because it was such a light pepper to begin or after the whiskey it was such a light pepper that maybe a little more pepper might have had a, a stronger ending for the cigar sure um but that that's the only possible negative i can think of is that maybe there could have been more pepper in the cigar and that's a really good place to be uh i don't it didn't really bring out any new flavors right Mm -hmm. you didn't you didn't like pair them together and all of a sudden oh here's a new flavor they they just they paired well so they they played off one another quite well uh i would have to give this a solid eight uh it was it was just good. They were a fantastic pair. The The whiskey ended up being just a touch more floral uh, afterwards. Like he said, uh, like John said, the buttery, the creaminess of the cigar was fantastic. Uh, it 
they're just it's a good pairing. I'm I'm just with John here. Try this. All right. So I think that's going to conclude our podcast for tonight. Yeah, we've believe, done everything, right, boys? I believe that wraps it up. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, so Tim, if people wanted to comment and tell us how great we are, or give us tips and suggestions, where can they find us at? Everywhere. Uh, if you want to email us, it is leafandbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of us on Twitter, it is leafbarrelpod. If you want to get us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, any other social, it is leafandbarrelpodcast. Uh, you can find us basically everywhere. We're always looking for questions, concerns, comments, recommendations. Uh, yeah, that's a big one right there. We're always willing to try what you like, I promise. Uh, or if you want us to try a pairing before you go out and try it, we're more than willing to be your guinea pigs as well. Um, so please reach out to us. I mean, within reason. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we're not doing King Louie for wisdom. <laughs> not yet. Unless you sponsor um, us a lot of money. We'll hit that Patreon link up. Um, <laughs> that is another place. You can always get us on Patreon at Leaf and Barrel Podcast, uh, and you can sponsor us through that route uh, to help make this podcast the best we can for you. It, it really goes to help us in any place, as well as hitting us on iTunes with a rating and a review. That's the best way for us to get out and get to more people so that we can reach more people and help build this community. Uh, who is our... Uh... Who does our music there, Tim? Our intro and outro music is provided by Arn Husby. It's the Warm Duck Shuffle. Please look that man up anywhere you can and give him your money. He has earned it, I promise. He's pretty damn good. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think that about wraps it up. Well, before we go, oh, uh, right, we, we do, do have our question of the week. Yeah, uh, let's hear it, John. So for something to ponder, uh, amongst you and your friends, uh, who is more likely to drink whiskey in their coffee at work? This has been Leaf and Barrel Podcast. My name is Tim. My name is Scott. And my name is John. Have a great night.